Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near Death Experience Research Foundation, nderf.org. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and links to the book as well as um, to the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation can be found on our website, neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Today we're going to start out with a listener comment, which is very cool. Uh, it talks a little bit about a, an out-of-body experience, and then we will share an experience it's it's somebody sharing the experience of many people that they know. They you know run into many people who have had these kind of experiences, and they uh, shared their experiences. So we'll go ahead and and share those. But first, uh, John is the one who contacted the podcast and said, "Hello, I've just started listening to your podcast, and I'm really enjoying it." My life is in the midst of a change right now, spiritually speaking. So this has been very interesting to me. I was raised as Southern Baptist, but I rejected that as a young 20-something in college. It brought up only negative feelings, and I figured I I would look elsewhere. I looked into a few other world religions, but eventually just left that part of myself by the wayside. I'm still not religious, nor do I care to become religious, but I'm very interested in what comes after death. My father died two years ago this week, so it's been on my mind a lot. I suffer from mild mild anxiety, and thinking of death can trigger that, so I've avoided it. That hasn't worked, so I'm staring it down now. I'm very skeptical about stuff like this, but I had a few experiences during my college years that leave me open to near-death experiences. One afternoon, I had a break between classes and was very tired from studying the night before, so I went home to take a nap. I had set my alarm for 1.30 so I could make my 2 o'clock class back to campus. After a while, my mind kind of woke up and I feared I was late, so I opened my eyes and saw the, the clock was at 2.14 p.m. and I freaked out. I tried to spring from my bed but could not move. I tried to scream for help and couldn't. I tried with all of my might to sit up. I was laying on my stomach, and when I did, I felt myself leave my body, and I was staring back at the back of my head and the clock in front of my face. As soon as I started, as soon as it started, I was pulled back in and was able to move. This really intrigued me, and I did some research and found sleep paralysis. I thought that's what had happened but couldn't explain why I was seeing the back of my head. Some weeks later, I was sleeping through the night when I woke and felt like I was falling. We've all had that, right? Well, this time, I felt myself flip backwards, and I was staring at my ceiling just inches from my face. I turned around over and could see my body lying there peacefully. I moved down to stare myself in the face and then floated down to my toes. I always kicked off the covers and touched them each of my my toes in turn. I don't recall if I sensed it in my toes, but I think I did not. I remember thinking how great I felt and how much fun this was. 
like a lucid dream, but much less adventurous. I wasn't flying around or the around the block or anything. I then wondered if I could make it outside in this form and headed for my bedroom window. When I did, something told me not to go out there. I sensed another being nearby with bad intentions but couldn't see it. I just felt it. The voice told me to go back into my body, so I did. I woke up immediately. I was hooked. I wanted this to happen again so badly. I tried again for several nights, and one night I thought I'd made it out of my body again. I did feel feel the falling sensation, and I did float around. I went outside and flew all over the neighborhood, but then, in the midst of all this, realized I was dreaming. I could tell it was very different and not real. This bummed me out. I've never had another out-of-body experience since that one and a half I had back then. I was, however, it was, however, enough to make me believe the thousands of folks who describe their near-death experiences due to similar similarities to my out-of-body experiences. Thanks for your podcast. And John, thank you for this uh, experience of yours. Fascinating. So interesting. And I think this is the kind of -of out-of-body experience that may be more common than we often let on because most people just chalk it up as as, uh, a dream or, you know, a very realistic dream of sorts. And and I would be interested in hearing from others about this falling sensation that you felt that is, seems to be kind of an indicator that you're in that state. I wonder if it's similar to the buzzing or vibrational sensation that I sometimes feel when I'm having something of... I, I started calling them astral dreams because they feel like what I would picture an out-of-body experience being like but they do have some dream elements in them. And, and I've talked about this a little bit before, but I recognize we've got you know, hundreds of podcast episodes now. We're going on 200 or so. And, and so you know, hearing them all is, is very unlikely. But um, from my experience in reading near-death experiences, um, you know, we kind of tend to think either this was a dream or it was a near-death experience. And by near-death experience, I mean out-of-body experience, um, whether, you know, uh, surrounding death kind of thing or not. Let's just say out-of-body experience. Either we're having an out-of-body experience or we're having a dream. But it seems that when our body is still healthy and alive, it still has some of the functionality and sensations that are, you know, that it's supposed to have. And yet, if the bo- the spirit leaves the body, even if only for a time, it has obviously its own sensations and experiences that tend to feel more real, more deeply sensational. I don't mean sensational as in, you know, unbelievable, but sensational as in sensations. They, they seem to be stronger uh, senses um, than even in the body. But when there is still that connection, that, that uh, you know, the body is still alive and healthy, but the spirit has separated from it for a time, there can be a crossover between, you know, there being dream elements while the spirit is separated. Now, the problem with knowing this, or at least 
considering this possibility is that it makes it really hard to discern when are we having a dream and when are we separated from the body. And I think this is the root, because I am very skeptical, extremely, well, I I hate to use the word skeptical because that's that's a, uh, an overused word to say that I am doubtful. Um, and, you know, a, a real skeptic is somebody who is open to suggestion and not willing to make any conclusions. But, uh, but I have my doubts, let me put it that way, when people talk about how, you know, every time we dream, we're leaving our body to some other realm. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. However, I am open to the possibility that sometimes it happens that sometimes it's the spirit leaving the body. I don't know, but uh, but I'm open to that possibility. And in that state, there can be dream elements and there can be spiritual elements. And sometimes there's both. And the reason I say that is because there have been people who have had near-death experiences where they genuinely, you know, they're in a car accident or something. And when they first leave their body, they're, they you know, maybe go into a place where there, it feels like a dream, but then a grandparent comes and says, you've got to go back, this and this, and, and talk about their life mission and t- share with them things that they couldn't have possibly known in their body that they need to know before returning. And when they return, they realize that they had a near-death experience. And sometimes they'll even go from that dreamy state of weird things going on in the background that are obviously dream, and then their grandparent right there, and then they go with the grandparent into the light, and it becomes a very spiritual, non-dream experience from that point. That kind of, that's where I get this idea, or this impression that the dreams, or you can have a situation where, where it is a spiritual experience, and a dream simultaneously. The body is having a dream, the spirit is having an out-of-body experience of sorts. And I think that can happen, which is why when when uh, John describes, you know, having this out-of-body experience and then going out into the neighborhood and finding him, you know, it turns out it's just a dream after all. Well, maybe it ends up as a dream. I, I don't have any reason to doubt that, but it's possible that it started out as an actual out-of-body experience. And and that seems to be kind of what he's concluding by calling it a half out-of-body experience. I, th- I think that's a fair way of putting it. But uh, very interesting. And, you know, this is something that's very difficult to study with any um, real, you know, depth of statistics, because we would just need people to start submitting their dreams and until when they felt like it was a spiritual thing and when they felt like it was, uh, you know, a full-on out-of-body experience. And I just don't know of any such uh, study out there. I'm just, I just have a hunch that, uh, that sometimes dreams can be, and especially when there are sensations that are unique to those experiences, such as in John's uh, description of that falling some sensation and seeing his body. I mean, I have to admit, I've had many what felt like astral dreams. Um, and I've looked back at my body and there was no body on the bed. I was, I, you know, so I, I can't help think, well, that must not have been, you know, anything of spirit leaving the body because I couldn't see my body on the bed. But, but you know, I, I don't know this stuff. This is all very... Um, 
fringe, I guess, <laughs> the fringe of what of what research can tell us versus what people's experiences are. I mean, you know, most of the or most of the research around near death experiences deals with the research of what happens on the other side, you know, what when people cross over when they have died and they have left this realm or or have these out of body experiences and then go on to some other realm. That's where there is a lot of research. And but uh, as far as the research of out of body experiences such as this, there isn't a lot of research, which means we need more of it. So if you have these kind of experiences, please send it our way, you know, send it to the podcast, you know, submit it to enderf.org um, so that we can get, you know, more research to work with. And and admittedly, you know, Enderf has a little bit of a vetting um process because there are people that submit their experience of almost dying and there's no spiritual element involved and I think those kind of experiences are usually rejected you know I have not submitted anything so I don't know exactly how that works but um, you know they will usually label it on different um, levels such as a possible near-death experience a near-death experience an exceptional near-death experience meaning that it's a really in-depth one or one that goes beyond the norm and, and, you know, um, also out-of-body experience, I think, is one of the other categories. Anyway, um, so, yeah, share your experience. And if you share it on the podcast, then we can share it with our listeners, and we would love that. Okay, let's go on to uh, this uh, experience, or list of experiences, I guess. This is Pepe, who is sharing these experiences, and he says... Or, and, and, and I should preface by uh, saying that Pepe is from Spain, and I believe these are possibly translated. I, I could be wrong, um, but he's taken interest in the subject of near-death experiences and begun to collect stories about, you know, from those around him, people he knows, sometimes neighbors and friends, and he's, and he's sharing this um, here. So he says, here there are some cases I have recently learned about. I recently talked about near-death experiences to several persons who work for my father. When I told them, or when, yeah, when I told them, one of them told me, do you know Monolito? And he says in a note, Monolito is an older man who comes to my father's house to, in, in the country every once in a while. He's around 80 years old. He is retired. And he goes for a walk from the city to the country and back. Well, this person explained to me that a few months ago, Manolito lost his consciousness. I still don't know why. But he went out of his body and could see everything from above. Next time I see him, I will hear his version of it. Manolito is a very nice gentleman, and I don't think he would lie about this matter. I have just talked to the father of one of my best friends, a girl, and have told him several things about near-death experiences. I did not give him any details about how near-death experiences usually develop. He does not speak English either. And after a while hearing me, he goes and tells me, when I was around 15 years old, I went out of my body into a dark tunnel, etc., I must say that I have known this family for almost 15 years now, and we have never talked about this subject before. Today he explained to me that 
or to explain to me what happened to him when he had the near-death experience. He had a small accident. He lost his consciousness, and he felt something grabbed him by his head and pulled him out of his body. Then he found himself traveling through a dark tunnel at a very high speed. He saw a very brilliant light at the end of a tunnel, but before he could reach it, he heard his mother calling him, and he suddenly moved rapidly backwards until he went all the way back into his body and recovered his consciousness. He also told me about, or told me something else. Recently, about five years ago, he had cancer surgery. On one particular day, he started feeling quite bad. He started to have, oh boy, okay, trombo, trombombolismo pulmonar, pulmonar, a clog of blood in his lung. And he told me today that in his hospital room, he saw his wife's mother, who died around 15 years ago, telling him that it was not his time. He has recovered from his cancer since then. I am sure he is telling me the truth about that vision. We have a good friendship, and he is a very, very nice person. A couple of weeks ago, I went to buy a part for my car at an automobile shop where I usually buy things. I have a good friendship with the owner of the shop, so I started telling him about near-death experiences. After a while, one of the secretaries who was listening to our conversation turned to me and told me, I've had several spontaneous out-of-body experiences, and explained me how, and she also said her mother has had many of those, but they do not usually talk about it to other people. One woman who used to work for us referred us or referred to us a vision by his husband around 1995. He was dying of cancer about seven or eight years ago, and when he was close to his death in his hospital room, he told her, "Look, Angelita, here, there, here they are, my father and my brother, waiting for me." He pointed to the door of the hospital room, but Angelita could not see anything. Angelita is a normal person. She has worked for us for about nine years, and she has never talked to us about anything like that. On the contrary, her conversations are always about very earthly matters. I do not believe she would lie to us. A very good friend of mine from my hometown told me that when he was a child, he got very ill. They thought he was going to die. One day, his mother was sitting by his bed, and she say, and she saw how... A cloud of white light covered the bed, and after that he got cured. I have only talked to my friend about it. He did not see it himself, but his mother later told him about it. When I go again to my hometown, I will try to speak directly to his mother. One of my cousins, third cousin, who is a very, very nice person, told me that when he was a child, he was in his bedroom, and all of a sudden, he found himself inside the place where all the knowledge of the universe is. He got amazed and a little scared because that place was huge, huge, huge. And he was running out of his bedroom toward his parents' bedroom, wanting to scream, Dad, Mom, God exists! God exists! And that is the end of Pepe's um, accounts. And... I, th I think it's pretty clear that he doesn't speak English and that this, 
is probably a translation or that he did his best to translate his own words because it appears several times that um, that the gender pronouns are a little bit confused because he talks about a girl and and then describes her as he did this, he did that, and that happens several times. Everybody's a he, basically. And, and that's understandable. In many languages, um, there's not a big differentiation in the use of pronouns and so forth. Beside the point. I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's actually very valuable that we're getting experiences from other languages because, you know, if you were to take <clears throat> your entire research of near-death experiences all from America and Great Britain where English is the predominant language, well, you may be getting a representative sample of America and England, but we're not able to bridge you know, that gap between other languages, other cultures, other ethnicities. And, you know, we've had several Muslim experiences, Chinese experiences, you know, and I would love to have experiences, uh, or I, I hope we get around to sharing experiences from Africa and, and just every continent of the world. And to be fair, I believe that we have shared from every continent. It's just that not every experiencer tells where they're from. Sometimes their names are kind of like, mm, I bet that's an Australian name, or I bet that's a Asian name, or whatever, you know. Um, so we probably have, but I would love to have more of certainty. You know, I would love to have percent of them coming from everywhere around the world so that we're getting a really good representative sample from all over the world, simply because that's where, you know, we can prove that this isn't just a cultural phenomenon. Because it's not. It clearly is something that's happening to everyone. And though they use different words to describe things, or they, you know, one may say it's Buddha, one may say it's God, one may say it's, you know, whatever, um, they describe them um, with the same kind of description, with light and tunnel and, and all this stuff. So, so I think it's very valuable to get these experiences from all over the world. Anyway, um, so we know we're covering Europe here. <laughs> but this is, the thing that strikes me as interesting uh, from Pepe's accounts is that, uh, is that he's just sharing the experiences of people he talks to on a daily basis. And I think this is valuable because most of the time... We know people who have had out-of-body and near-death experiences. We know them. We just don't know that they've had them. And more often than not, people don't quickly share it. And if they are a religious person, it may be because it doesn't fully agree with their religious upbringing as they understand it, or because they feel like it's too sacred to share, like it's such a religious experience that it's not something you go around and, and tell your auto mechanic, for example. But, uh, and so religious people may have those two possible hesitations. Either it doesn't agree with what they um, believe, or they feel like it's too sacred to just share with everyone. Which means, in the right circumstances, um, they may still share it with you, if you are very sensitive to them, if they feel it's appropriate. Never push someone who feels like it's not appropriate to share. There is a reason that many people 
don't share, and often it has to do with what they were told in their experience about what they should and shouldn't share of their experience. So anyway, um, beyond that, people who are atheist are hesitant to share because they're like, I don't even believe this stuff, and now this has happened? I, I don't even know what to make of it. So sharing an experience with someone like that um, in such a way as to say, I don't know how to explain these experiences that either I've had or that I've heard about, but I find them very interesting and I like hearing about them. And then sharing that experience opens it for them so that they can feel like, well, you know, you don't understand it either. I don't understand it, but you recognize their existence. Here's what I experienced. And they're more likely to share it with you. Someone who is is just like, okay, yeah, I believe in ghosts and whatever, but I don't really have a religious whatever, and they and they have an openness to to spiritual things, but they, you know, they may hesitate to share simply because they don't want people to think they're crazy. They don't want people to think you're they're insane or something, because if they're open to UFOs and, and conspiracy theories, they've probably been given the uh-huh eyes before, and, and so they've become sensitive to that. And so they might be hesitant on that account. And in which case, sharing with them stuff like, you know, I don't, th- you know, I, I'm hearing about these experiences and, I'm, and I believe them. I don't feel like I can explain them, but they're interesting to me and I believe them. And then sharing some experiences that you've heard will open up to them and they'll say, oh, I, I've got some experiences. You would you'd probably like this. And then they'll share. And so knowing the people that you're talking to um, and, and approaching it from a comfort, their comfort zone will help them to open up. And, and you know, don't pry, but just simply sharing things often opens the door so they, feel, they would feel comfortable sharing it if they feel it's appropriate to do so. And, uh, and I think there's value in that. I think there's value in it for a number of reasons. The fact is, the world is not going to come to terms with near-death experiences until people are willing to talk about them. And while it's going to be up to the individuals how much it is appropriate to share of their experience, I think we need to be open to it. I have heard people say, well, you probably better not talk about that here. And if you're not the one that had the experience, you may not be the one who should be saying what's appropriate and not appropriate to share. Other than if you know there's somebody in the room that could really get mean about it and say, oh, you claim this and you claim, you know, or something stupid like that, you know. And that occasionally does happen. I've, I've heard of nurses saying, you probably don't want to mention that to the doctor. Tell me about it. I'm excited. But don't mention it to the doctor. He's very you know, anti, and he will probably diagnose you with something and give you medications if you tell him. <laughs> and so, you know, there is an appropriateness there, but uh, but allow people to share what they feel is appropriate to share because they are in the best situation to determine what is and isn't appropriate. And if they do start sharing and you feel like maybe this isn't an appropriate thing to share, you could ask them, do you feel okay sharing this? Because I don't want to push you. I don't want to I don't want to drive this out of you. I am interested and I, and I believe you. I, I just don't want you to feel like you have to share or something. And chances are they'll say, oh, I, I feel like you're, you know, it, that it would be appropriate to share it with you. And of course, how much you share of what they share 
is going to, you know, you need to be sensitive to that too. Because if they say, I don't share this with everyone and I don't want people to know about this, but I trust you, well, don't go blabbing it to the streets uh, that that person had it. You know, if they feel comfortable with you sharing their experience anonymously, that's that's fine, do so. But um, anyway, be sensitive. But if you just start opening conversations about these things, yes, there will probably be some people that will think of you as crazy for believing in some of these things, and that's fine. Honestly, we all have different ideas about things, and and based on the different religious ideas that we've have had, we come we've come to understand that we can believe different things, we can have different thoughts about things, and we can still learn to get along. You know, if if they're a good listening person, regardless of how they take what you say, um, I think they will recognize the um, trust that you're sharing that you're having in sharing with them and by your sharing what if not your own experiences you know some of the stories you've heard um, it will open the way so that they feel comfortable sharing with you more likely anyway I suspect that's why Pepe has so many people that he's met you know and I think back in my own life I can think of one two um, three, at least three people off the top of my head that have shared experiences with me, um, very sacred um, near-death experiences with me because I was open to that. And I think if everyone at least voiced and acted open to it, it would become much more comfortable to people to talk about this with other people. You know, I recall an instance uh, hearing about... um, at a conference of some sort, it was kind of a medical conference where they were introducing this idea of near-death experiences because, you know, it, they felt like the doctors really needed to be aware of these kinds of experiences. So when people voice them, they know not to instantly give them schizophrenia medication, but rather to listen and understand this is a common phenomenon. And this one doctor, surgeon, whatever stands up or raises his hand. He says, wait a, wait a minute. I've been doing this for 25 years or something like that. And he says, I've been doing this for 25 years and I have never once heard such an experience like that. And another man raises his hand, stands up and he says, that man there is my doctor. I have had a near-death experience and I'll be danged if I'm going to share it with him. <laughs> which, which illustrates that you you really emanate whether or not you're the kind of person that somebody can share something with. And, you know, that's uh, this doctor has probably never heard of any of these experiences because the patients are like, I'm not sharing with that doctor. No way. No way. I mean, <laughs> so be the kind of person that's open and, and a listening type of person, and you'll be more likely to come across these kind of experiences, if you're interested in doing so. Anyway, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing the book, Life in the Spirit World, and you can get the ebook, the softbound book, whatever, or by going to patreon.com slash ndecast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor. Both links to those um, places uh, are available on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org our website. 
You can also contact the podcast either to share a comment, ask a question, or to share your own near-death experience by emailing podcast at gmail.com. Or if you prefer to talk it out because you don't want to type all that, you can call 970-NDE-CAST. It will give you three minutes of message per phone call. And if you don't get it in one phone call, just call right back and continue your message and just keep doing that until you get your full message shared. It's easy as pie for me to just clip and, and piece that into one big thing for the podcast. And if in sharing your comment or experience you don't want your name shared, please just say so. Say, please don't share my name. I'd, I'd rather this be anonymous, but you're welcome to share it, something to that effect. Or if you don't want it shared at all on the podcast, just say so. I've had several messages that come that way, and I am more than happy to uh, converse with you, uh, uh, have a conversation back and forth, you know, to either ask, answer questions or, you know, if you've had your own experience and you, and you, you have concerns about things, you know, um, email me. I am someone who I love to discuss these things, even when I don't necessarily understand, even when I don't necessarily believe certain things, you know, such as we've talked about reincarnation being something that I'm not on board with. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm not open to those experiences, and I would love to discuss it with anybody. I'm, I'm totally okay with having debates about it. Uh, you know, I, not that I'm going to put them on the podcast, of course, but if you're wanting to, to discuss anything related to these kinds of things in more detail, contact me. Just make it clear to me whether or not you want it to be shared, because my default is to share comments and questions on the podcast but if you don't want that just say so and with that thank you all of you so much again for listening